Jordan is from Mansfield, Ohio, and um, he is leading a prayer movement there um, and also a house of prayer and a church. Um, and um, Jordan, um, is it the, uh, I think it's, I think the, the citywide prayer movement is called the March of Prayer. Yes. And um, yeah. so, but anyway, we're really excited to have you with us. I've gotten to know Jordan a little bit um, just through a uh, kind of a group of prayer leaders that's been meeting together for the last three months. So we're, I'm really excited to have Jordan sharing with us. And um, yeah, over to you, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. I love being in groups of diverse people. I, I was just scrolling through seeing like different countries and nationalities. And that's exciting to me because this is what Jesus purchased on the cross was a, a diverse family of believers. So it's an honor to be in a group of people where we are answering Jesus's prayer in John 17. So I was speaking with Jonathan. Uh, um, today, I'm going to be sharing a little bit of a testimony of what God is doing here in our city, because I believe that it's not just for our city. I, I really believe that this is what the Lord is longing to do um, in cities all across America um, and even all across the world. So um, it's funny because we actually kind of just stumbled upon this unity movement here in our city. We weren't really particularly trying to, um, to do citywide unity. Uh, it just really developed out of an organic relationship that I developed with another pastor in town. So um, today I'm just kind of going to be sharing kind of the testimony of what, Lord is, the, what the Lord is doing here and then kind of going into a, a small time of teaching and then maybe even Q&A um, if anyone has questions about um, developing citywide unity. So I'm going to try to move pretty quickly here. So in 2016, the Lord, he gave my wife a dream. And in the dream, we were walking downtown through our city and that there was crowds of people going into each church to worship. And she said, instead of like wooden doors at the churches, there was revolving doors at every at every single church where people were just walking in and out of every church um, through our downtown. Our city is kind of unique. In our county, we have 160 churches. We have a, a ton of churches. Um, just in the downtown area, there's probably 40 40 to 45 churches. So um, our town in the early um, 1900s was actually coined city of the churches where there was literally a, a, a church on every single corner, every single street corner, there's a church. Um, so we have a, a lot of churches, but that's also given way to a lot of division um, and, and a lot of um, animosity over the years. It's been really difficult to get churches to work with one another. So um, with that dream in mind, we really began to pray into it. We had already been doing um, extended hours of prayer and worship. Um, for a number of years, but we were really failing to see um, unity among churches. And I, I know many of you here are probably House of Prayer leaders, um, leading prayer initiatives, and I'm sure you all understand. You, you want to get people together, but there seems to be a law and a difficulty with getting people together. And we were there for a number of years, but we had this dream in our heart that God was really going to unite the, the body of Christ in our area through worship and prayer. So I, I met this man. His name is Paul Lintern. He's a, he's a Lutheran pastor in our area. And um, it, it's so amazing. I actually became a Christian at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, Missouri. I gave my life to the Lord in the prayer room. I had a radical encounter with the Lord. I don't have a lot of time to go into all that. But I went as um, an atheist. I was dealing drugs. I was struggling with bipolar depression. And I went for a girl. And now that girl is my wife. So that's awesome. And it was actually at the One Thing Conference. And through the, the Lord encountered me through worship and prayer. And, and this Lutheran pastor, through another crazy long story, he found himself in that same room where I became a Christian. 
And as soon as he sat down, the Lord said, you are to do this in your city. He said, give yourself to prayer and worship in your city. And he said he never heard the Lord speak to him that clearly in his life. He sat down literally in the same room where I became a Christian. He sits down in this room and the Lord says, this is what you're to do in Mansfield, Ohio. So he comes back. He has no idea about the Tabernacle of David, about the worship and prayer movement. He's a pretty reformed Lutheran pastor. He has no no grid for, for the worship and prayer movement at all. So he comes back and he's just looking for people that understand. So he pulls me aside in a, in a meeting and he goes, do you know anything about the International House of Prayer? I was like, yes, I do. I, I know a lot about the International House of Prayer. I gave my life to the Lord at the International House of Prayer. So um, in seven hours, he gave me the keys to a 12,000 square foot old Lutheran church building and said, pray and worship here as much as you possibly can. Um, so my wife and I, we actually moved into a house that was off of the back of the church and we lived there for um, a period of a few years and we developed a house of prayer. And um, through my relationship with Paul in 2019, we launched a prayer initiative called the March of Prayer where we really believed that our relationship was a prophetic sign of what was to come. He is a, a Lutheran pastor who's been in the faith for um, his, his entire life, for 60 years. I'm a, a very young, new believer. I got saved when I was 17, and at the time I was only 22. Um, charismatic, you know, gifts of the Spirit guy. And me and this man, I tell you, it was like a David um, and Jonathan type of love. Like we just fell in love with one another. Like we would stay up till three, four in the morning just talking, going through the scriptures. And um, so this movement in our city, it wasn't born out of like, we just want to get people together to pray. It was born out of a real love with people, two people that are completely different. So in 2019, um, through a miracle of the Lord, we had 52 churches sign up to do 52 nights of worship and prayer. Um, two hours a night at each church. We had over 20 different denominations involved. Uh, and it was one of the most beautiful things that I'd ever experienced in my life. The next year, we had 65 churches sign up. We did 60, and we had um, COVID kind of messed it up in the middle, but we just continued it online. So we had 65 nights of worship and prayer um, at 65 different churches, over 30 different denominations involved, Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, all of it, um, Greek Orthodox, the whole deal in our town. We had everyone represented. And kind of the vision that the Lord gave us was not to put a model on it. So we didn't say like, this is what you are to do during your night. It was, we want you to host the, the local body of Christ and we want you to pray and we want you to worship in the way that God has gifted you to pray and worship. So one of my favorite nights <clears throat> was actually at our, um, at our local Catholic church in town. And for two hours, we sat in silence. We just, just literally came in. There's probably 150 of us in the room. And we literally just sat in silence for two hours. And you could see all of the Pentecostal people get really like, oh my gosh, we need to sing or shout or something, right? <laughs> uh, but it was really, it was really good. And what we learned through this is that um, in a time where people are so obsessed with being right, all right, can we agree with that? Everyone is obsessed with being right. We want to do things the right way. The biggest takeaway that we are realizing here in our city is that there isn't a, a right way to, to do this thing. There's a lot of really good ways, right? Even Paul, he says, the body is so diverse. And we, I think we have so many people where they're an eye or they're in hand 
And then they go, everyone needs to be an eye. Everyone needs to be a hand, obviously, because this is the way that we do it. But what we miss out on is the beautiful expression of the body of Christ in the church. So um, here in our city now, we're, we're pursuing something. I was actually speaking with Jonathan about, because um, I know they've done something similar, where we want to go deeper than just events. So now we're promoting this idea. Um, our city's name's Mansfield. So we've kind of rebranded it as God's Field. It's not Mansfield, it's God's Field. So we're promoting this idea of a God's Field district where um, we're trying to figure out how we can be a regional church, which is proving to be more difficult than just putting on events. How can we... Um, be a regional family and, and have our doors open and do things with one another. So um, that's kind of what we have going on here at Mansfield. I just wanted to share that as an encouragement that um, I know there's so many that labor for unity in their cities. And we were doing that for a number of, of years, for four or five years, seeing little to no breakthrough, little to no participation. And it was through just an organic relationship with another man with a similar heart where it was like everything that we had been plowing for, it was kind of like that suddenly that we talk about. It's like suddenly we saw the craziest breakthrough that we ever thought that we would see. So um, it was so beautiful. I'm telling you, there was times of deep repentance. There was times um, where pastors were repenting to one another, um, even in, in private meetings where, where they're saying, you know, we're sorry for putting up walls against you. Um, and it was just such a beautiful time to see um, John 17 answered here on our city. So I want to go into a short time um, speaking about the Tabernacle of David and John 17, if that's okay, because these are two things that I feel that really relate to, to church unity and something that I really feel like the Lord has um, been putting on my heart a lot lately. So at the same time that everything was going on with the March of Prayer, God was challenging me to view Him differently. And um, this was a, a really um, strange time in my walk with God, because I feel like He was telling me, you don't see me rightly. Um, it's those, those pruning times that I'm sure everyone's familiar with. And I'm like, God, no, I, I know who you are. And he's like, no, you, you're missing something big. And what the Lord revealed to me is that I was missing out on this family dynamic of the Trinity, that within the Trinity, that there's actually a family dynamic, right? Father, Son, Spirit. We all know this, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. But what I was missing out on is this is the same type of relationship that he is inviting his church into. He's inviting his church into a family dynamic. When the Lord says that we are made in his image, right? We are made in his image. I do think that that speaks right to even, you know, Jesus having a body. We have a soul. We have a, we have a spirit. Um, we are made in his image and his likeness. I, I think there's also this element where we are made into a family, even as he is a family. And the Lord was challenging me to not only change my view of, of how I look at God, but how I look at the church and how I look at the body of Christ. And even as I look upon the Lord as a family, um, uh, I, I think his name, oh, I forget his name now. This this book, he calls it a family of divine love. And even the church now, we are, we are invited to become a family of love. So if we look in the context of Acts 15, where James, he quotes Amos 9-11, and he says, after this, I will rebuild I will, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. And in Acts 15, what is happening here is there is um, there's an animosity over grafting in Gentile believers into the family of God. 
and James, he looks back at the tabernacle of David. And I think he understood that David's tabernacle wasn't just a place where 24-7 worship was happening, but it was a place where 24-7 worship and prayer was happening in a spirit of unity, that even Gentiles would come and worship the Lord in David's, ta- in David's tabernacle. So it wasn't just about continuous worship and prayer. It wasn't just about 24-7 worship and prayer. It was about 24-7 worship and prayer done with the family of God done with a family dynamic. I believe that's why the most um, quoted scripture at United Prayer Gatherings, right? Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. I, I believe that David was tapping into something even bigger than just having nonstop prayer and worship. It was nonstop prayer and worship done as the family of God, nonstop prayer and worship done within a, within a spirit of unity. Um, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. David understood that it's not just about getting people to pray and to worship 24-7, but it's about getting people to understand that they are the family of God, Jew or Gentile, right? In David's day, that, that's such a scandalous thing to say, that you are the family of God, Jew or Gentile. But David understood that it wasn't about where you were born. It wasn't about who your family was. It was about who your God is. And if you have the same God, that, that, that is the uniting factor behind the tabernacle of David. The Lord began to challenge me through this idea of what are we united around? What are, what are we united around? Uh, I know that we live in a day where um, there's a lot of prayer initiatives, right? I think prayer initiatives are awesome, right? We pray for um, elections. We pray for the ending of abortion. We pray for racial reconciliation. All of these things are great. I'm not saying to, to not have prayer initiatives. But what I found through the March of Prayer and after spending, um, you know, the past few years in John 17, is that these initiatives are not what bind us together. And we must be careful that these initiatives are not what bind us together, because we run the risk of becoming a social club and not the family of God. Within a family, there's grace to disagree. I think this is really important. In a family dynamic, there's a grace to, to disagree, but still be a family, right? Everyone has that, that weird uncle at Thanksgiving, right? that you disagree with. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you are the weird uncle that everyone disagrees with. Yeah. So within a family, there is a grace to disagree, but to still eat at the same table. What happens when we form social clubs and not families is that there's not a grace to disagree. When you, when you have a social club, you say, if you do not believe X, Y, and Z, you cannot become a member of my club. And in the body of Christ, when we begin to unite around initiatives and not around the blood of Jesus, we can easily exclude those people that think differently from us. And then then what we do is we don't do the hard work of becoming a family. Really, really, it is hard work to become the family of God. What, what do we think that all of Paul's letters are about? It's hard work <laughs> to become the family of God. What do we think that the end of the book of Acts is about? It's hard work to become the family of God. What do we do with Paul rebuking Peter um, over, over his ways um, with the Gentiles? It's hard work to become the family of God. It's really easy to form a social club and say, um, we're going to unite around this initiative. We're going to pray with one another. And then what we do is anyone who doesn't agree with what we're praying about can't be involved. It's a lot harder to say, no, we are the family of God. It is the blood of Jesus alone that unites us together with one another. And now we get to do the hard work of being one. So I, I just wanted to, to mention that real briefly, that what, what I'm realizing now a few years into seeing the church unite in my city 
is um, we're being really careful to not to not bind and, and unite ourselves around anything that is not the blood of Jesus. If it's not the blood of Jesus, we don't want to be united around it. It doesn't mean that we can't participate in prayer initiatives, but prayer initiatives are not what is bringing us together. The blood of Jesus is what is bringing us together. And if Jesus isn't the forefront of our efforts, I'm telling you that we run the risk of forming social clubs and not families. And he's just not interested in social clubs. He is interested in his family. I really believe that when Jesus went to the cross, uh, He not only made a way for us to be saved, but he gave us a family to be saved into. He gave us a a new family to be born into. I've been challenging our our local church here um, that I think the cross has endless revelation to mine out. Can we agree with that? The cross has, there's endless revelation upon the cross. And I think many times we dilute the cross to, to just the thing that we talk about on Good Friday and Easter, like, He washed away our sins. We can get into heaven. Awesome. I think there is a lot more that is happening on the cross than just your sins are forgiven and you can get to heaven. Jesus was literally breaking down, dividing barriers, ethnic barriers, um, socioeconomic barriers. Even look at his band of disciples. Have you ever thought about that? How different Jesus's disciples are, how much they probably hated one another, (laughs) right? A tax collector and a Jewish fisherman. In the, in the same disciple group, that's probably not going too well. Um, Jesus, he, he not only made a way for us to be saved, he's actually inviting us into a family, even with people that we disagree with, even with people that we think differently from, even with people that our culture tells us to hate, right? Think about how much Peter and Matthew would have been at one another. But this is what Jesus is doing. He takes what was previously two two bodies and he breaks the walls down and he forms new one new man out of them. So I'm, I'm personally living my life from this place now where um, within the blood of Jesus and the person of Jesus, I find my real family and it's the body of Christ. It's anyone who professes his name. It's, it's everyone on this call tonight um, or this morning, wherever you're, you're listening in from. And regardless of what I think about it, this is what Jesus thinks about it. It's that we are one family, right? I don't get an opinion in the matter. Jesus, Jesus prayed to his father that, that we would be one and his blood made us one. The challenge is, do we believe it or not? That's really the challenge is, do we have revelation concerning that his blood was enough to make us into one family? Or do we believe that this is something that we still need to strive to get into? I really strongly believe that it's his blood that unites us and it's his blood that keeps us together. John 17, I'll just read this um, here real quickly and then maybe open up for, for some questions for maybe the last five or so minutes, if anyone has some. And if not, I can keep rambling too. Um, John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And I want you to catch this next part. It says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. May they also be in us. So this is what makes us one. It's not our opinions. It's not what we believe. Um, it's not even the meetings that we attend. It's not, it's not the gatherings, um, the, the big awesome unity gatherings. Listen, I'm, I, I do these things, but th- this isn't what makes us one. 
what makes us one is that Jesus says, may they also be in us. May they also be in us. If you take a minute and meditate upon this, Jesus is literally inviting us in to the family dynamic of the Trinity. May they also be in us. He is calling us to actually participate in the family dynamic of the Trinity. May they also be in us. And then here is my favorite hidden promise in John 17. The secret to evangelism is that so the world may believe that you have sent me. I really believe that there is a key that between our unity and the believability of our message. And what I mean by that is the gospel will always be more effective when preached from a united church. You, you will see throughout history, the gospel becomes diluted and distorted when it is preached from a divided church. Jesus says, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What Jesus is saying is that there is a direct link between the believability of the gospel and our oneness as the body of Christ. There is a direct link between these two things, that they will believe the gospel that you are preaching when you realize that you are one with your brothers and sisters in Christ, when, you, when you're not just inviting them to your church building, but you're inviting them into a family, right? That they will believe that it is that he is the son who made us one family um, when, when we get a hold of this. So in 1723, and then I'm going to open up for some questions. It says, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So the gospel it cannot be separated from this call for us to be a family. And I'm encouraged because um, I'm seeing it in my city. I'm not just reading it on the pages of John 17. I'm not just reading it in Amos 9-11 and Malachi 1-11. I am seeing it in my city with my own eyes. I'm seeing what the Bible talks about. And I'm telling you this morning, if you're not seeing it, just to keep pressing in, keep plowing, keep believing the Lord because his word is true. I'm telling you, his word is true and Jesus will have his way in his church. So um, I know I have about seven more minutes here. So if there's anyone that is, that's going after um, unity in, in your city through prayer initiatives or trying to unite the local body of Christ, I would love maybe to have a time for um, a few questions, if that's okay, Jonathan. Is that good? Yeah, awesome. I have a quick question for you. Um, we're doing something similar in Granby. And I think a lot of areas are doing that. You said something that I have a question about. Uh, yes. You said the work on the cross, Jesus was tearing down racial and social barriers. Hmm. You said, we're one family. The question is, do we believe it or not? Hmm. I've yet to meet anyone who says, oh, I don't believe that. Yeah. I think people say they believe it and yeah. it sounds great. But at the end of the day, especially when there are social and racial injustices and things of that nature, absolutely, um, we don't see the action. So if mm -hmm. indeed what you said is true and people believe it, why are we not seeing action? Results, say it that way. Yeah. Yes. Are you, so you're saying um, many people would say that with their mouth, but how do we get the action from, from that? Yeah, that is right. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Something that we've been doing here in our city that I think has been really fruitful is instead of just doing like events and gatherings where, where we say that from the pulpit, um, we have monthly pastoral gatherings with, with a group of all of the pastors that are involved in the March of Prayer. And we discuss like actual hard topics. It's not just kind of like the uh, fuzzy pastor luncheon where you just like check in the wife and kids and see how everything's going on. Right. 
um, we actually talk about things that are happening in our world and ask how they're affecting um, different pastors. And we have a super diverse group of pastors. So, um, I mean, we have, again, like 20 plus denominations, white, black, Asian, female pastors, male pastors. You know, we have youth pastors and worship pastors that come as well. Um, and, and again, it, it is doing the hard work of the family of, of having actual conversations with one another and moving beyond, um, right? I support you because the, the blood of Jesus made a family with my mouth, but then how can I actually support you, <laughs> right? Like in real life. So um, I think that's something that, that we're doing here um, to get people to move beyond just, yeah, I believe that we're a family with my mouth, but how can we actually um, become a family with our actions? Jordan, um, I am not in church leadership. And so, but if I wanted to do something um, just as a member of the body of Christ, one of the things that I have been thinking about, I haven't started doing it yet, but I'd be interested in, in your feedback and anyone else's feedback. Um, I, before the, the election in November, 2020, I went around to every, my neighborhood, it was about 300 homes, and um, I gave information about our, my congressman, Michael McCall, who I was hoping would be elected, and by the way, he was elected, but the Lord put it on my heart, why don't you go around your neighborhood and have something ready to hang up as well that would be reaching out to people to find out you know, where, who, who, where your neighbors are in, in their relationship with the mm -hmm. Lord. And it just, as you were saying all of this, I was thinking that that could also be a way to reach out. And when you find out your neighbors and what church they go to, or if they don't go to church, and then it's, it's a member, a way for evangelism, but also a way perhaps to bring unity in the body of Christ as mm -hmm meet someone and then try to see what the common ground is of, of the love of Christ. Yeah, that's really good. I would say um, Jonathan mentioned that we, we actually planted a, a church under our, our pastor's covering. So we just did like a, a church plan off of our church shortly after the March of prayer. And many of the members that are part of our church actually live in this neighborhood. So like they live on the same street. Uh, much of that has been just relationships. Yeah. Going and, and talking to people and inviting. So um I, a few Sundays ago, we, we meet on Sunday nights, every single person in the room lived in the neighborhood, which was like so beautiful to me to see that like we're, we're forming an actual like communal family of God. Um, it was just literally people that lived down our street and we we're just gathering as, as believers. So, um, yeah, I would encourage you in that. Like um, it doesn't always have to be something big and extravagant. Um, unity can begin with you and the person that lives next door to you and forming those organic relationships. And then you never, you never know um, what can be born out of that. Amen. Amen. Jordan, why don't you just, we got to wrap it up, but why don't you yes, just uh, pray for us? And, um, and then I'll just have a couple of announcements before we yeah. transition to the next hour. Yeah. Absolutely. And so Lord, I just thank you. God, we thank you for your spirit, for sending your spirit to us. You said, it is good that I go away, that I may send you one who is like myself. God, we thank you that it's your spirit that unites us together with one another. Lord, it's your blood that you've immersed us 
into a new family, that you have baptized us in your spirit. You've welcomed us into a new family. God, I pray for every leader on this call, God, I pray that they would see the movement of your spirit in their communities. God, that you would give entire communities the revelation of the family of God and the revelation um, of these words in John 17, God, that it wouldn't just be words on a page. I pray that this scripture would come alive in cities all across the world. Then it wouldn't just be words that we read, God, but it would be a, a reality that we live from. So Lord, I send part of grace to see this happen in cities all over the world. It's in your name, God, that we pray. Amen.